Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right, excellent. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here today on this. Another starting to heat up there on uh, this Shabbat here we have. So let me open in prayer, and we can get right into the, into the study and where we're at. Father, Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another wonderful Shabbat and you gathering us here to, to dive into your words, to understand and grow closer to you and your son. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy that you've shown each and every one of us. And Father, be with us here today as we, as we proceed through the book of John. We thank you. Amen. Well, again, I'm glad all of you guys are here, and um, um, those online, if your heart leads you, you can go to livingmessiah.com, and we have a donate button there, and anything is always appreciated. Thank you for that, because we do view you guys online as part of our family, and I do appreciate um, you, your, the viewers that I have. Thank you. So... Um, so uh, as usual, normally, our, uh, we'll probably get to a point where let me get so far, and then I do have today specific questions and things I want to present to you guys. And I'll tell you right off, I might not have the actual answers. A lot of it might be us just sort of discussing stuff, but I want to get to that point. And I do have some conclusions on things here. So... Um, we have the mic, just raise your hand when we get to that point, and the mic will find its way to you. And we just ask to be brief and on point of what the subject and where we're at and what we're talking about. So, um, hope, the spirit and the water, we, uh, we saw the association that they have, always have been in Scripture. So, I, and my goal last week was to show you that, so I hope I accomplished that. Um, because the thing is, um, we're going to be seeing hope played out here even further, <laughs> okay? So if there's a theme this week, it would be hope again um, and how it plays out. So the expectation, so that's the, this hope or this expectation is to be understood, how it's to be understood, and we have to keep in mind that we see how it's in the hearts of those who are out coming out to seeing John. They were there. It, that, that hope was there. Okay? So we have to view it from uh, their aspects or from the aspect of where they're at. And then adding on to that, if that hope was in their hearts, then this same hope should be in our hearts as well. Okay? And obviously, that what they were coming out, um, come out, were coming out to be emerged, but the, that emerging was in repentance, going to return back to the Father, but return back to the Torah. So that means that all has to be uh, part of that hope that we have that's being presented here. And ultimately, what we're going to see now is that hope being turned towards Yahshua, 
okay, or maybe more so being put into him, that expectation that's there in a Messiah. Because remember, at this point, in their minds, Messiah has not showed up yet. And is this him? Okay? And it's obviously John is proclaiming that he is the one. So hope is the theme as well uh, this week. So we'll go on here in John 1. And uh, John bore witness, saying, I have seen the Spirit coming down from the heaven like a dove and remain on him, being Yahshua. And I did not know him, but he who sent me to immerse in water said to me, Upon whom you see that spirit coming down and remaining, I think that's a key thing there too, remaining on him, this is whom it immerses in the set-apart spirit. And I have seen and I have witnessed that this is the son of Elohim. So the hope and what I presented last week, what's embedded in that idea of hope, and I, I went through that, and the short form is hope Ultimately, is the gathering all the children, the gathering of all the people of Elohim together. That's what's embedded in that hope. Not just hope for Jesus to come. The other part of that hope, that's part of that, is yes, Yeshua is going to return and he's going to bring all the people together. That should be encapsulated in the hope. Now, I'm going to read this from Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 10, 38, uh, and 11:3. If you have your Bibles, you can follow, but I'm going to read it to you. And this is about hope and expectation. Okay? So coming from the book of Hebrews. But the righteous shall, uh, shall live by trusting or faith or by belief. They all really mean the same thing in Scripture, and it's an action. Okay? It's just not a mental thing. Okay? So the righteous shall live by uh, this trust, this trust, this doing. But if anyone, uh, if anyone draws back, my being has no pleasure in him. Meaning if anyone doesn't continue on your baptism path of righteousness, the Father has no pleasure in you. Okay? And I'll continue. But we are not those who draw back to destruction, but of belief and trust in the preservation of life. That's what we need to be. We need to be the ones who don't draw back. We have been baptized. Our lives are changing, and it's on a continued path that we go. And the, tr and the belief is the substance. Here it is. The belief and the trust, the things that you do, is the substance of what is not seen. Okay, so the hope is the proof of what you do, of the things not seen. For by this the elders uh, ordain, uh, ordain witness. Okay, meaning those who came before us, and it goes on, these are the ones who by faith David did this, by trusting Jonah did this. You go on and on and on. They did an action due to the hope and the expectation that Abraham uh, or the father spoke through Abraham so, so long ago. Okay? So belief and trust, we understand that the ages were, were prepared by the word of Elohim so that it, it, so what is seen was not made by what is visible. So... There's so many ways to get there, but you can see the idea of hope. The expectation means you got to do something. Okay? If you have hope in something, you go and you do something in that expectation. If we have hope in the Messiah's re return, 
and he asked us to do certain things, then those are what we do. That shows that we have hope. Okay? So we go on. Again, the following day, uh, John was standing with two of his taught ones and looking, Yeshua walking. He said, see the Lamb of Elohim. And the two taught ones heard him speaking and they followed Yeshua. And Yeshua turned and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher or mighty one in knowledge, um, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They went and they, they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Um, now it was the, about the 10th hour. So it's interesting here. I, I don't know. This can be kind of comical if you get this in your mind, maybe. Okay. So you had these two taught ones of John the Baptist or John the Immerser, right? These two followers of John the Immerser. Okay. And then they start following let's say, uh, Yeshua at a distance. And Yeshua is looking over his shoulder. He, he knows some people are following him, right? And he turns around real quickly. <laughs> I think that's kind of comical because look how it reads. And his two taught ones heard him speaking. Oh, here it is. Yeshua turning and seeing them following said to them, what do you seek? And all they could say is, uh, uh, oh, where are you staying? <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of interesting. And obviously, our, uh, where, they, where Yeshua was staying at the time was, was Miriam and Lazarus. Okay? That's where he was staying. So, here, we, these are other things I come across so just that maybe we all need to think about when we're reading the text. For instance, John's taught ones. It talks about John's taught ones here. Um, uh, so that, to me, that means that, okay, maybe at the least of it, these two who were following Messiah from this point, they must have come to John before to be considered taught ones of John, all right? So it wasn't just the first time that they showed up. They must have been listening to John for a while. I don't know how long, but to me, the text doesn't say it was just... They were there, it seems like, if they were taught ones of John, that they were there for uh, at least more than one or two days, you know. So, uh, who has the mic? Barry, the mic will come to you. My thought is, my thought is, if I had someone hanging around me, they would hear me talking about computers all the time. Mm -hmm. And, of course, my favorite laptops, the Dell Latitude laptops, I'd be hearing about the Latitude laptop. So it's my opinion that they would have heard John talking about the Messiah. The Messiah is here. The Messiah we're waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah is going to do this. The Messiah is going to do that. I'm thinking they would have heard so much he would have been a rock star. Well, they would I'm, be... Uh, who? Who would it be? That, that the Lord would be someone they would not only be looking for, but when they found out there he is, it would be like coming close to, you know, they would already be in that amazed moment, just the fact there's the person we've been hearing about. This is him. Yes. No, no, I, I see where you're coming from. And I would, I would maybe think that not, not knowing for sure, but okay, John's putting up higher. We've been listening, John, for a while. And 
their curiosity got further. And maybe it's one of these things I, I, I was thinking about that. Okay, if you had John the Baptist and you're one that's going out to John the Baptist all the, uh, you know, for whatever given period of time, and, and all of a sudden he's proclaiming this other guy, Yeshua, as being very, very important, the Lamb of God, and on and on, and in some ways the Messiah, okay, like, like Barry's talking about. So I guess what I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, Maybe uh, an application for us today on how we should view that uh, is if you've heard that message, right, from John, only these two are following, ultimately seeking further. Okay, well, let me put it this way. Um, for instance, everything you, you probably guys heard that whole idea, come to the foot of the cross, Right? Well, there's no one there at that cross, okay? Because he's got up and he's walking. So I see maybe the same way that we can look at John. John the Baptist has given you repentance, emergence, and then we see these two are actually going out and seeking and going further. They're going further than the cross. They're going further with just merely getting baptized and think that they're leaving the river and walking the life out. They're not going to hang out the river all the time, listen to that good, uh, this John preaching all the time. You know, they're going to get up and they're going to start applying that idea of redemption and changing their life. Okay? And I'm not... I'm just hypothetically, I guess, giving you that imagery. Are you going to stay at the river or are you going to get up? Are you going to stay at the foot of the cross or are you going to get up and walk your life with the Messiah? Okay? They can, to me, they can be two different things altogether. Or maybe one's not complete and the other is actually where he wants you to be. Uh, did you have your hand up? I'm seeing that we always are looking toward two witnesses, the earth Very and good the point. sky. So these are the two witnesses that first see his presence in the flesh, even though Yochanan the Immerser knew him, he didn't know him in that sense for a while. In the womb he did, mm -hmm. but we have nothing in between the womb and this time. So I'm seeing that these two taught ones are the witness, and by two witnesses, you'll know a thing is true. Yes. No, that's an interesting point. Thank you, sister. And it's, um, and, and might I add to uh, what Jill's saying is, uh, back to that idea of they're applying what they've learned, what they've heard John say. They're going out and applying, and they're seeking and seeking that out. Now, here's something, another question, Okay. Where they're at, or at least from my, what I gather, where John's at, and where we'll find out where the, these two apostles, where they were from, or these other taught ones. They were from at least, um, oh, Jerry's not here, but I, if I remember right, they're about 40, 50 miles away from their home. And they're down hanging out with this guy by the Jordan River, that far distance from home. So it comes to my mind, what are they doing down there so far from home? All right, because... Granted, they didn't have, they wasn't on horseback, okay, that's not, they traveled by foot. 
and I don't even want to guesstimate how long it would take to walk 50 miles one way. All right, so why, why, would they, why are they there that far from home? I could only, a couple things I was thinking about. Possibly I did read it could be the year of release when you, know, you let the fields um, settle and you really do no labor, you just eat off of that. But a lot of these guys are coming from a fishing village. Okay, so I don't know if that plays into that. So the only other thing I can think of, which I think might be very plausible, that they were down this direction, close to Jerusalem, okay, where John the Baptist was, you know, 40, 50 miles from home. The only thing that would bring them that far down for, for a major purpose, I would suggest maybe it's one of the three pilgrim feasts that's why they were down there, all right? Which would be what, Passover, Shavuot, and, or Tabernacles? Yes. You know, one of those three that they were so far from home down there because, you know, we see that in the Torah. So that's just something that I thought possibly why. And then the other thing uh, for those who are looking at it is uh, now it was the 10th hour. Um, what I have read and looked at, the, most of the gospel, all the other gospels go by uh, uh, the Jewish reckoning or the Hebrew calendar reckoning day, an hour, okay? Here, John's using Roman reckoning. So this 10th hour would be 10 a.m. And then they met up with Messiah about 10 a.m. and hung out with him at Lazarus, Miriam and Lazarus' house for the rest of the day. Okay, little side notes to, as you get the story going, uh, in, have the story in your head. So it was Andre, uh, Andrew, Andrew, I guess it would be, and brother, uh, and the brother Simeon, or uh, Kephar, or Peter, was one of the two who heard from John and followed him. So now we know who these two were, who were wanting to seek out more of their experience or what they've heard, I would believe, more than a couple times from John the Baptist when they would visit Jerusalem down there, okay, for one of the feasts. First he found his brother uh, uh, Simeon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means the anointed one, that one. So you see in their minds, they're like, okay, is this the Messiah? We have found the Messiah, okay? All these times we've been, we found the Messiah. And he brought him to Yeshua and looking at him, he said, you are uh, Simeon, the son of Yonah. You shall be called Kepha, which means stone. So I was looking at this, and I was like, okay, it's very interesting with all the names, okay? And I think we've all looked at, know the backgrounds of names and certain important parts in there. But this one, I think, is very interesting because we just got talking about the dove coming down, how it's associated with the water and the spirit, and we talked about that whole, the baptism or the immersion and the repentance in life, right? And I, I shared that with you before. So we have Simeon, or... or Simeon, the son of Yonah. Does anyone know what Yonah means? Dove. Now, isn't that interesting? Don't you want to be a son of a dove? Think about it, you know? Be a son of a dove. That, you know, in that story. I think that's kind of interesting. So we'll go on here because I want to get to the, uh, some other questions that are to be fun. So on the following day, Yeshua 
wished to go to Galilee. So you can see he, he wants to go back up to the Galilee, Galilee area. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. So we have someone else coming in play here. And Philip was from uh, Bethsaida, which is a fishing village. And I had the, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to visit Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and, uh, and Peter as well. So they are all coming from this same, uh, same area, same town here. So Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses write, wrote in the Torah in the prophets, and Yahshua uh, of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay? Now here's where it gets interesting. And then Nathaniel said to him, Is it possible for any good matter, good thing to come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. So what I, what I, uh, what I want to talk about is, in some ways here, Nathaniel's comment. He's being a negative natty, is he not? He's being so, why is he being so negative? Is there some problem with Nazareth? Okay. But what I did is like, that's one of my questions I had. So I went and did some research in the, okay, and just, I'm gonna really sum up a lot of what I looked at and trying to place what was going on. It seems up in this Nazareth area, okay, that uh, many revolts uh, were formed against the Romans by the, by the Jewish population up there. Meaning that there was a lot, uh, uh, one gentleman uh, in particular I read about, his name was uh, Judah from Galilee. He started uh, a, a, rev a revolt against the Roman rule and what they were doing. He went as far as to try to get the other people involved in starting that revolt. And if the other, uh, at that time it would be the other Jewish settlements, if they did not go along with them, he did like uh, burn some houses and things to their crops and, and their cattle, you know. So he was zealous that everyone needs to stand against the Romans. And if you don't stand, then I'm going to harm your property or whatever and force you. Almost like a mafia type of um, way of dealing with it. So that's up in the area of Galilee, okay. Or, or I'm sorry, not Galilee, in the area of Nazareth, okay. So... Um, And I'm just saying that it gives you a kind of a backdrop of way, why maybe Nathaniel commented the way he did. Can anything good come out of that? Because what had happened to the Romans, you know, they didn't take anything after a while. They came in, they did kill about 2,000 Jews at one time and various revolts that, you know, the, the Romans came in and did squash. So it, you know... Whatever was going on with the revolts, there was bloodshed. So you can see why, why maybe Nathaniel didn't say, oh, not another, another false messiah. It's going to bring more bloodshed, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm projecting just ideas that I have, maybe why he said he, what he said. But it does give you a backdrop on the, behind the story, and there's much more. Now, the thing is... Um, Uh, Nathaniel himself lived in the same area. He come from a, a town called Cana, okay, and it was three miles from Nazareth, 
All right? So even Nathaniel was from that area, so he would have known a lot more that happened. And there's a lot of other interesting things that I read about that actually came out of that area as far as the Mishnah and things like that and other revolts and, and so on. And, and it, to go real f quick forward, that, those types of revolts that were going on, they didn't cease at the time. Remember? Because we did have one of Messiah's followers. His name was uh, Judas. Judah as well. And he seemed to be associated with some of those who wanted to overthrow uh, the Romans in a particular um, militant way and stuff like that. So, so you can see, again, some of the backdrop that's going on. But let's continue here. Here's some interesting things that I've, I want to share. And Yahshua saw Nathanael coming towards him. And he said to him, See, truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So it seems like Yeshua knew who he was. Okay? And Nathanael said to him, From where do you know me? And Yeshua answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of Elohim. You are the sovereign, the king of Israel. And Yeshua answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Are you trust what's going on? Greater than, uh, um, greater than that you will see. And he said to him, this is what Yeshua said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, from now on you shall see the heavens open and the messengers of Elohim ascending and descending upon the son of Adam. So, before I get to the, the boldness there, let's go back and remember the fig tree. Just a little bit about the fig tree. This, will, uh, this helped me understand maybe somewhat of what was going on here. Because we obviously, we already know this pertains to Yeshua in some form or another, because Yeshua is doing that himself. He's taking this scripture verse... Okay, and we'll, I'll show you where it's found. He's taking this scripture verse and applying it to him as an understanding. Okay, but under the fig tree, again, is hope. And why there's hope embedded here is because many Jews uh, would go there to pray or meet under fig trees. Okay, and there was a reason why they did that. Because the fig tree has been uh, a part of the landscape of Israel from, its, from the very, very beginning. From, uh, from its agricultural and part of the land, okay? It is considered one of the seven species, okay, um, of the land of Israel. Now, here's the interest. In the earlier days, farmers uh, would uh, used the fig tree, and they would invite guests to sit under the fig tree, and, uh, and doing so became a symbol of life and peace, wholeness, and contentment. So I believe Nathaniel, uh, why it's worded that way. See, they would go under a fig tree and pray, okay, intercede, have guests with them there, okay, not only for the fruit or whatever, but there's some more things that are going on here. And I'm going to take us to Zechariah 3.10 that shows why they believe that. Uh, John? So, 
It's interesting how can I, in verse 50, the, the tone to which you read this, this verse, Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, now you believe? That's one tone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, man, you believe in anything. Mm-hmm. Or is it precisely because you have done that, you have identified me, I will show you greater things. Do you see the difference? Yes. No, I do. And I don't know if that's at all into I'm, what you're... I'm running on. What we'll get to is he was being negative, but all of a sudden I think his tune changed for Who, some reason. Yeshua was being negative? Oh, no, Nathaniel's idea changed quickly because of what Yeshua said. And I'm going that route because what Yeshua followed up with Scripture. Okay. Okay. So real quick, why this idea uh, of hope is embedded in the idea, why maybe Nathaniel was under the fig tree that's going to play into this whole idea, why maybe his mind changed so quickly. Okay, I'm, I'm presenting that he was negative about it, and all of a sudden he changed because of what Yeshua said to him. Uh, Barry? I have strictly an opinion. Mm-hmm. The opinion is that he was sitting under the fig tree and he's praying, as you say, and he says, I hope God sees me now with this prayer that I'm praying. Very, and then, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And then when Yeshua says, I saw you when you were under the fig tree, he's like, wow, an answer, that has to be. That's my opinion. Barry, I'm going to show you why I believe your opinion is the one that we should go with. And I'll show you in Scripture why I believe that. I would say, I saw you under the fig tree. Well, when did you see me under the fig tree? When was that? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, because Philip goes and calls him. All right. So... Let me, let me show you why the hope first is in this idea of the fig tree, okay? Zechariah 3. Now listen, Yahoshua, or Yahshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are men of symbol. For look, I am bringing forth the servant, the netzir, the branch, Okay? See the stone which I have put before Yahshua. On one, on, on one stone are seven eyes. See, I am engraving its inscription, declares Yahuwah of hosts. And I shall remove the guilt of the land in that day. I'm, but what I want to emphasize is this last part. In that day, declares Yahuwah of hosts, you shall invite one another under the vine and under the fig tree. So that is why that became a custom of them hanging out under the fig tree. And like Barry says, Barry's actually more correct in saying prayer because what's embedded in there is the idea of interceding. Okay? So I'm putting forth that concept that Nathaniel was under that fig tree. And even two ways you could look at it. Either he knew that someone saw him or Nathaniel knew that he was the only one under that fig tree. Okay, and no one else knew. And Philip knew where to go find him, but he was alone. Okay? So why did Nathaniel say, 
what he said so quickly about the Messiah's claim. That goes back to this idea, negative and all of a sudden you are. So does it or does it relate to Yeshua's response? I believe it does relate to how Yeshua responded to him. And what is Yeshua's response and how does that play a part? Because do any of you happen to remember this phrase, where it's coming from? For, of the heavens being open and messengers ascending and descending? Just shout it out if you know it. I heard some of it. Genesis 28, 11 through 13. Exactly. It's this concept where the Jacob's ladder is. So how is that connected? Okay. Obviously, we see the messianic point because Messiah makes it quite clear that ladder is me. But then how does Nathaniel play into this? Okay. And again, I'm running on an assumption. So real quick, just to remind us of Genesis 28. And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and commanded him and said to him, do not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Okay. Arise, go to Panoram and the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take a wife for yourself from the daughters of Laban. And El Shaddai, uh, and El Shaddai bless you and make you and bear fruit and you increase and you become an assembly of the people and give the blessing. Uh, here it is. Give the blessing of Abraham to you and your seed with you. And you will inherit the land and sojournings of Elohim that gave to Abraham. This just gives you a little bit of context, a little bit of why it was going. So ultimately, Jacob obeyed his father and his mother. Esau didn't. Esau didn't do it. And Jacob went from Bathsheba and he went towards Hanaran. And he came upon a place and stopped there overnight uh, for the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of, of that place and put it under his head. And he laid down in the place to sleep. Here it is. And he dreamed and saw a ladder set up from the earth, and its top reached the heavens, and, and he saw messengers of Elohim um, going up and coming uh, down on it. And see, Yahuwah stood above it and said, I am Yahuwah, your Elohim of Abraham, your father, your father and the Elohim of uh, Isaac. The land on which you are lying, I give to you and your seed. And your seed shall, um, shall be as the dust of the earth and shall break forth to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the clans of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your seed. And see, I am with you and shall guard you wherever you go and shall bring you back to this land. For I am not going to leave you until I have done what I have spoken. So I won't read through the rest of this place because he gets up, he sets the pillar, pours the oil on it and says, this is Bethuel, this is the house because I did not know Elohim was in this place. Okay. Uh, yes, Jill, did you? It, it, to me, it's the ascending and descending. The prayers are ascending up and the answer is coming down. It's like a roller coaster. He's praying to see Messiah, and wow, there he is. So if we pray to see Messiah, and we pray to see the peace of Messiah, we may not feel it, but somebody else coming into where we are, they can surely feel it, because 
someone's told me that before and scared the peanuts out of them. Yeah. No, thank you, Joe. Because, see, okay, we're, th there's two things going, to me, let me say, break it up this way, two things going on here simultaneously. We see Yeshua, he's proclaiming himself who he is, okay? He's saying whatever we see in Genesis here, this ladder. And by the way, I, 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 I read this ladder. It shouldn't be read as ladder. Maybe staircase, but more proper, it's a highway. Okay, it should be understood more in that context. And I saw that in the theological workbook. So, so ultimately you have this highway, okay? Yes, you see this communication. And Messiah is saying, well, you know what? That highway, that's me. Okay, but what about Nathaniel? Why did he change so rapidly? What I think happened, like Barry perfectly thinking through this, is Nathaniel was over there. Just like Jacob, maybe Nathaniel doing his prayers and he dozed off, right? Maybe he dozed off. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was fully aware, praying, and the things that he was asking the Father. Maybe the same thing what you said. Father, you know, you know, we're here in this land. We need your help. Your Messiah should be coming. Where's your Messiah? Whatever it might be, okay? And all of a sudden, Philip comes up disturbs his prayer time or wakes him up after his daydream, okay? And granted, I know the text doesn't say this, but I'm just applying what I read here back in Genesis, right? So Philip comes over, he's disturbed, and, oh, hey, Philip, or uh, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. Oh, you know, what are you like when you get disturbed, when you're in the zone? You ever been in the zone and you get out of the zone and it's like, oh, you're negative, Right? Maybe, maybe that's what happened. And then he's saying, oh yeah, another Messiah. What good can come from Nazareth? And he sees this guy and he goes, and the conversation goes on. Yeah, I, I saw you under the fig tree, even before Philip. So was there some kind of indication, at least this is where I'm going with it, that that's what Nathaniel was praying for, something in that in that sense and all of a sudden he hears this directly from somebody that could not have known what he just prayed and maybe the father is answering so much through the through this guy saying you know you are the son of god you are the king of israel because I was just praying that so clearly looking for that help guide me how many times have you guys done that Guide me, Father, I need help or whatever. Sometimes it takes a while, but then there's sometimes it's like, shabam, it's right there so quick, an answer. That's why I think Nathaniel, I'm going on that premises, that why his attitude so changed so quickly because of the comments. And then why Messiah commented that way based on that vision, the dream kind of thing. But that... An Israelite who has no deceit. That means he was following the Torah. Okay? He was following the instructions. He knew the weight of the value of the, the Torah. He was applying them to his life. And this goes back to us. If we're doing that, then I, I, I believe we will see clear 
ideas and things when the Father is working in our life. But we have to be living a lifestyle that I would suggest that's what Nathaniel was doing. And that's why he knew so quickly. And Mark just spoke about this last Shabbat even. You know, you don't need visions and revelations per se, right? Because if you're following the book and you understand the book, you should see it quite clearly right in front of you. You, you know what I mean? Yes, you do need prayer and things like that. But a lot of this, you know, and seriously, that's what upsets our, our uh, that's one of the major things that Elohim's upset with. All the nations, all the other gods, people of God, they're going here and there for advice and for here and there. Turn to him, read his words, stick with his people who are following this out. It's right there. So that's what I think is happening, uh, what happened here. So obviously, the scripture, the scripture reference is prophetic, like even like Jill was pointing out. Yeshua's statement, in the context of the dream, you know, he's going back, What's, you know, he's going back to this Genesis and what happened there. That's why I wanted to share uh, that with you. And by the way, there's much, much more going on in that prayer or in that idea of the latter. Um, I don't have much time, but I'll share this with you because next week I do want to finish out John 1. So this whole idea, this is the latter. You know, what he's telling Nathaniel because he's quoting that, and Nathaniel knows this verse, okay? Because I didn't realize, but you find out, this thing uh, about this ladder and J Jacob's ladder, okay, you know what I'm referring to, is there's tons and tons of speculations on how it means and, what, uh, on, uh, and various forms. And uh, for instance, the Christian side, they do see it pertains to Yeshua, but they don't know exactly maybe, maybe the, the extent that it does because they've thrown away the Torah, all right? They don't see the deepness of what it's saying, you know, and Messiah's bringing that home clear. So, obviously, he is clearly stating that this ladder is, is he and the means of ascending and descending, the connection to the Father. Did we not hear Messiah say that be, before? You come through me to the Father. That he is, he's that elevated highway, okay? And you'll see that in the text, you know, make the plains way, lift up the highway for our Elohim. It's the same concept. Lift up the righteous highway. In the, this word for ladder, like I said, being highway, it's an elevated highway above all the other terrain. So what's that mean for us? It means that Yahshua is pointing out Elohim's highway that is above all the other ways to walk your life out. It's above all those other ones. And that's what needs to be elevated. There's where the stones need to be taken out so we can walk clearly. And he states that about stumbling on those stones, clearing out those stones. So there's the deeper implication of Jacob's dream and how it relates prophetically to our lives and ultimately the end times. And then the other side note I want to leave with you guys here before I close is this whole communication of if Yeshua is that ladder, it seems like he's the avenue. He's the one that's doing that, okay? 
And that even brings up Daniel. Because remember, Daniel speaks of one that was able to enter the Most High in the heavens. This son of man that was able to do that. Uh, Bar Enosh, that's very son. And that's where Yeshua, again, you can see how he connects in there as well. Uh, as well. Yes, uh, one more comment. Uh. I was just thinking about how we talked about, you know, the name. And so for Nathaniel, that's gift of God, right? So um, the gift of God that we're seeing is a promise of God, just like he promised Yaakov when um, they met, you know, the messenger visited him. So we have this promise of our Messiah coming to save and to redeem us because he is the gift of everlasting life. Yes, he is. Thank you, sister. So I hope I, I, my hope was to show you that there's so much more in our, our scriptures and we need, I mean, I, I cut all this in half because I may be, maybe I'll be bombarding. So hopefully I, but there is so much more, okay? We all need to take an effort to really seek these things out. Just like these two taught ones who were hanging out with John, all right? Want to change their life. They knew that's why they're hanging out there for so long and be called taught ones. And then John's directing them ultimately to where they need to be to complete their life, all right? And that's no different uh, from the Christian viewpoint, so to speak. It's no different, like I said. The foot of the cross, that's where you need to come, but you cannot stay there. You have to get up and follow and change your life. That's the only way. That's what he's proclaiming. So I have, uh, oh, I got to quit here. Let me leave this with you real quick. Uh, this whole idea about that raised highway, it appears a couple times, and it's an awesome uh, thing. Here's one. Because my people have, uh, have forgotten me, they have burned incense in vanity. They have caused, uh, caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient past. To walk in the paths in which, uh, which way not cast up. That's the concept that is with this ladder, which is this, something that's cast up. They didn't walk in the ways that was lifted before them. We have Yahshua. He has shown us the way that has been lifted before us. And that is the only way. That is the only way, and that brings you right back to the Torah. So let me, I have to close, but there's so much more. Maybe I can touch upon it uh, next week. So I hope there was something in there that you guys got. Father, I give you great thanks. Father, I thank you for your, the depths of your words, but at the same time, just the simple, simple meanings that lay on top for us. Father, thank, uh, thank you, and help us to and be empowered by your spirit not just with knowledge, but with uh, power to walk these things out in each of our lives, 
You're the one that can show us individually the things and the things that we need to change. We thank you, Father. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Those online, thank you. And um, we'll be back next week, and maybe I'll start with, uh, we'll start there and then go forward. Okay?